Hello, and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosity 2.0, the one true podcast, and the only podcast that injects fat directly into pre-traumatized tissue. Why are you pre-traumatizing it if you're just going to inject fat in it? <laughs> because the pre-traumatization has a, uh, serves a, serves a, a, a purpose, Chuck. Oh. Uh, I, I'm trying not to say what it is. I don't want to give it away, but... Well, that makes sense. That's yeah. all I needed to know, as long as there's a purpose. There's a purpose. <laughs> I can't tell you what it is. That's what, that's what you do in your office, don't you? Take these drugs. Can't tell you what they do or what they're for. I'd say, if you don't take these drugs, you will die. You will die. What are they? I can't tell you that. That's a secret. <laughs> Need to know. Oh. Hey, this is a special episode, huh? Yeah, um, most weeks when we put out this podcast, uh, it's not a special episode. This week, however, a very special episode of Irreligiosity. This is a very special episode. I think, I think someone's going to get married, perhaps have their first kiss. Uh, we it might about... be an abortion. I don't know. What are we talking about? What the hell? Today, we have a guest today, Chuck. He's not here yet. He'll be along shortly. But it's everyone's favorite kind of episode. It's an interview episode. We love oh interviews. Oh, my God. Is it Fuck You Fans Month again? <laughs> Holy shit. It is. We should so just do a Fuck You Fans year where we just put out weekly podcasts that are nothing but interviews. Or, and, and we're already on track for this, we could just put out one in a year. That's about equivalent, I guess. <laughs> one Fuck You episode. To 52 episodes of interviews. <laughs> that makes just sense. Just one in one year. It's the same thing. Still a year of Fuck You. Yeah, it's just pretty much Fuck You, assholes. What have you done for me? <laughs> this could be the, is it penultimate? The second to last? Penultimate episode of Irreligiosophy. Although, what's the uh, third to last? Tri- uh, triumphant. Tri-ultimate. Tri-ultimate? What yeah, did Google know. say? Google says, uh, anti-penultimate. <laughs> Maybe the anti-penultimate, yeah. if we have two episodes, <laughs> we split that next one into two episodes. Uh, that's what we should do. This interview, we should probably split it into two or three episodes. Yeah, uh, that way it, can, it just makes it look like we're doing shit when we're actually not. It kind of spreads out the the joy. Yeah. But uh, before we get to that, Chuck, Skunk Dicks! Skunk Dicks! Skunk Dicks! Well, let's see, it's been, uh, oh, shit, like nine months since our last episode. There's not a whole lot of skunkiness going on since uh, Trump got elected and made America great again. Yeah, everything's great. And um, I'm so, so tired of the winning. <laughs> he said we'd get tired of it, and I'm tired of it. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm really tired yeah. of it. I'd so love to stop winning. Anytime. Uh, yeah, Chuck, we've been winning so much. I, I don't even have skunk dicks. I just have some corners. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, so, like I said, there's really no material out there. Yeah. Everything's wonderful. No. Uh, so should we jump right in? Although I did read an Onion article that uh, said that people in Trump's administration worry that they're burning through minorities to discriminate against at an unsustainable rate. <laughs> maybe maybe they'll finally get what we've been talking about for years now. I've- <laughs> Oh, 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 energy. It's, oh, it's like immigrants. Oh, I get oh, it. Oh, I see. It's not sustainable. Ah. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. 
Oh, okay. I had to check that was onion because it seemed completely plausible. <laughs> oh, that's the that's the problem now. We've reached that Poe stage of real life. It's yeah. not just it's not just crazy Christian. It's the it's it's everything. Yeah, it's news. I can't I can't differentiate between fake news and real news because they're they're so similar. Fake news can't even compete anymore. Yeah, it's really not worth the effort either. I just believe everything that I agree with. So yeah, it's yeah we are really at the post age where there's nothing so ludicrous uh, <laughs> that you know it couldn't possibly be true. And the more ludicrous what? it is, the more likely it is to be true. When he's getting up at three thirty in the morning and tweeting shit, like I can't compete with that. I yeah. can't even keep up. Every time I read an article about his tweets, there's like 17 tweets because he's been tweeting all fucking day long. And they're just like, here's a bunch of tweets Trump was allowed to publish. There yeah, you go. He, he, I think he basically tweets when he watches Fox News. He just It gets him all riled up like every other old person in America. Stop yeah. watching Fox News. <laughs> I wish Obama would die. Like, hey, uh-huh. uh... You remember Obama's not president? Don't matter none, son. Oh, so well. Let's get to the let's get to the um, the corners. I got two corners. That, does two corners make anything? Can you have two corners? Two corners is that possible? I don't think you can have just two corners. Would that be a line? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, here's your first quarter. It's new quarter, Chuck. I, and I can't take this. Not gonna be my corner or your corner. I think it's everyone's corner. It's everybody penis corner. Oh my god! In other words, just another episode of irreligiosity. <laughs> uh, same old, same old. Ah, uh, Bangladesh family. Are you familiar with Bangladesh? I bet you've heard of it. Yeah, it's um, um, east of Minnesota. Yes, yeah, uh, right above Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> have been arrested over a fake penis scam. This is intolerable. We need to crack down on those immediately. Yeah, well, they are. Bangladesh yeah. police are on it. Bangladesh yeah. um, CSI has uncovered this one. Uh, actually, it's CSI Dhaka. A family in Bangladesh has been arrested after using a fake penis to trick villagers into believing a genie had performed a sex change on their daughter. Ah, see, see the, you see why you do that, right? They just knock on doors and they're like, uh, look, a genie performed a sex change on your daughter and here's the penis. So so here's the scam. <laughs> you say you have a genie. Yeah. Hey, we've got a genie. And yep. You can pay us and we'll perform miracles for you. Um, what do you mean you have a genie? Can you prove you had your genie? Yeah. My daughter is now has a penis. And we performed a circumcision. See? And then they did that. They performed a circumcision on a fake penis that they put on their daughter to trick people in their village to think they had a genie. So they could scam them out of whatever, money, goods, anything. Bangladesh seems like a strange place if (laughs) you invite someone into their home and after they tell you, uh, your daughter had a sex change operation. I'm going to perform a circumcision on her. They're still allowed in the house. Um, like, how does the visit go on longer than that? Yeah, you know what I thought was funny is that they're like, uh, yeah, let's see that. I want you to prove it. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, so the police 
somehow the police got word of this, and they took the 15-year-old, she's 15-year-old, to the hospital for an examination. A doctor, I put that in quotes because, you know, doctors, uh, examined the teenager and discovered a fake penis tied to her waist. <laughs> just tied, just tied, just tied around your waist, dear. It's okay. It's, uh, that was Did one careful examination. Well, I almost missed this one, but indeed there was a fake penis tied around her waist. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, uh, what is it? Uh, I don't want to talk down about the people of Bangladesh, like they're backwards or something. Because disparage? You don't want to disparage the Bangladesh people? No, because really, is this any different from like faith healing or any of the dumb shit we do in this country? Yes, it is. It involves penises. Actually, I give them, I give them a plus for the penis. I love I'm above Alabama. On this, uh, this scam is genius. Basically, they're saying that they can perform miracles, and as proof, they produce a dildo. That is impressive. Yeah, and how how and they did a circumcision. So how how could they do a circumcision if it's fake anyway? It's not possible. But uh, you know, did you ever have a six billion dollar man action? Figure when you when you were growing up, Matt, with the uh, bionic arm. Yeah, thing. it had yeah. the little skin that you could roll up and see the. That's that's what uh, they had a bionic uh, foreskin on this dildo. <laughs> uh, did it have like the kung fu grip action? Like a little butt? <laughs> yes, that'd be weird. A penis with kung fu grip. Yes, action. Yeah, the doctor's exam. He found the penis right away. And then he had to examine the penis itself. That took him about 45 minutes. <laughs> I need to take this away for a while. <laughs> I'll be in this room with a door closed. More Kleenex, oh, please. I love the article this was in, because right at the end, they, they were like, you know what? I'll disparage the Bangladeshis. Gullible villagers pay to seek divine intervention of genies to fix their medical problems or marital issues. Eh, gullible people are everywhere. But this one had a penis. So Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah. The scam involved a penis. We have a no-tolerance policy for penile scams on a religiosity. Exactly. You know, we get our penises straight from the basket. That's right. That's right. Now, (laughs) lest you're giggling too much, Chuck, or our listener, penis corner number two. (laughs) Was that listener singular? (laughs) (laughs) It was. Hello, listener. <laughs> we're Happy speaking. To have you. We're speaking directly to you, our dear listener. Well, we used to have two listeners, but now, but Leela is kind of like part of the show, really. So Leela's uh, dropped off. I don't. Know, I haven't heard from Leela in a while. She's been very busy. She's a she's an archaeologist or um, charlatan, as they call it. Yes, ex- as the Christians called it. <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Now. Here's why we don't joke around with penises. A man in Stockholm, Sweden, has died after undergoing penis enlargement surgery. Is this what makes it a corner? You've got <laughs> two stories, <laughs> two <laughs> penis-related <corner>. stories. <laughs> Let's say you're in a box, and you're in one corner, and then you walk to another corner. That's two corners. That's two corners. Yeah. Now, there's still two other corners, but you don't necessarily have to go to those corners. They can just be there. For they the are, shall we say, penis-free corners. 
Ah, they're penis placeholder corners. One day, a penis shall inhabit those corners. Yeah, there are two types of corners in this world. But, but that day is not this day, Chuck. <laughs> That's my Lord of the Rings. <laughs> there may come a day when <laughs> mankind and the religiosity no longer talks about penis-related stories. But today is not that day. Uh, what would you give? To come back to this day and talk about Peterson when you're old and dying in your bed. I think I'm jumping ahead. Wait a um, second. <laughs> <laughs> me. Anyway, this is an extraordinary story. So extraordinary, even Snopes had to check its veracity. Wow. Uh, yeah, and they have judged it true. Um, so what happened was... Listen, Matt, uh, if a yeah. penis is involved, it has to be true. <laughs> I must. Uh, a 30-year-old man in Stockholm, Sweden, who had no relevant past medical history. Um, oh, they did say he had mild asthma. Is that, okay. is that a danger, Chuck? Very, very important. Very important. Yeah. So he, went, he underwent uh, penis enhancement surgery, uh, which they say is, quote, generally considered a safe procedure. But still, nope. Not, not this time. Do. Not this day. Oh, not this day. Anyway. So here's where we get into pre-traumatized tissue issues, Chuck. Yes. First, they had an elongation, which apparently is a safe procedure. Uh, generally, they consider it. Uh, then they took um, fat from uh, his buttocks yes. and they injected it into his penis. And I guess that is for enhancement or girth enlargement, mm -hmm, they call sure. that. Seems reasonable. And then he suffered a uh, fat embolism. Right, yeah. Do you know what that is? Yeah, it's fat getting into the bloodstream. It's no good. So no what bueno. happened? I mean, well, I, I know what happens. It gives you. He went into cardiac arrest and he died. But yeah, it, it travels to a place where it eventually stops. In this case, I, I suppose that fat embolism went all the way into the heart and into a coronary artery and killed him. Ah, so it gives you. Uh, just, I guess it gives you a heart attack. It it's blocks, a physical block blockage. Block you can't get oxygen downstream from the blockage, and your tissue dies. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> unfortunate for him. Uh, you know, it's a well-studied risk of uh, fat injection into pre-traumatized. Why are they pre-traumatized? Did, uh, did they all get around and, and beat the guy's penis? What does no, that mean, pre-traumatized tissue? They elongated it first. That was traumatic? Traumatic elongation? It, well, it's traumatized in the sense that it's been cut into and, you know, no. things done to it. I don't know how you elongate a penis. Yeah, they I must mean, have. Maybe they uh, elongated it multiple times. Just back and yeah. forth, back and forth. They do point out that um, it's, it's pretty rare to have complications if you do these things separately. And it's not generally recommended to do them together, but they did them together anyway. Oh, and, well, I see. Uh, they did the... Elongation. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not familiar with this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, you don't elongate a penis every now and then, Chuck? Surgery in the uh, urgent care that I work <laughs> hold in. Hold on, hold on. I just elongated mine about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> okay. I mean, are they injecting some sort of collapsible... Uh, that's what they... That's So when... Let me tell you a little medical story, man. When I was... Uh, okay. When I was... Uh, 
dissecting. So I'm in gross anatomy. We got a bunch of cadavers. And we uh, had to cut them in half from just above the hip, right? The uh, iliac crest of the pelvic bone. So, you know, just above your belly button, basically. And then in order to see <clears throat> the uh, different view of anatomy, um, sagittal view, I think, we had to cut that in half. So basically we we're slicing right through the penis. Ah. So one of the stra- so they had a bandsaw, right? And there are 20 cadavers. We have we have a hundred medical students that packed into groups of four or five. I should God, I wish I would have had a, a camera with me. It's a, one of the strangest sights I've ever seen. It was a line of medical students just hanging onto the lower halves of cadavers, uh, waiting to push them through the bandsaw. No. So we we got to ours and uh this penile implant popped out. So Oh. What does it look like? It looked like a, like an enlargeable um little balloon, I suppose, that oh, went into yeah. the penis itself. There a little tube where the air went through and they took the testicle out and you could pump it up like a Nike air shoe, right? You remember right. those? So yeah. I guess, you know, you want to <laughs> get frisky, you just uh, pump your testicle up, and, and there you go. So, um, Oh, hence the phrase, play with my ball. Ex- <laughs> That's exactly where that came from. Um, but, you know, that was, Jesus Christ, that was over 20 years ago. I'm hoping that penile enlargement uh, surgery has advanced since that stage in the last 22 years. Oh, uh, no, it ends in death now. Yeah, now I guess they just take some fat out of your ass and inject it back into your penis. Well, this is Bangladesh. Was this Bangladesh? No, so this no, is no, in Bangladesh. Sweden. This is in Sweden. No, in Bangladesh, you go to a genie for your penis. <laughs> <laughs> in Sweden, I guess they just take a bunch of a massive fat ball out of your ass and yeah. shove it into your dick. I there thought you know. I would uh, Google how do you elongate your penis to find out how this is done. I would not Before- recommend that. Before I typed uh, in the word penis, <laughs> guess what the first search report um, was? How do you elongate your blank? Guess what it was? Great toe. Nipple. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Stop it, Matt. I'm becoming aroused. What? The elongated... Elongating their nipples. Elongated nipples. Oh, my God. That sounds fantastic. Hello, I'm interested in your nipple enlargement. <laughs> Elongation surgery. <laughs> I just want to make clear that you're not going to be taking any fat of my ass and injecting it into my nipple. <laughs> that is right out. Oh, you know, you shouldn't do that girth enlargement anyway because you're you end up with a. We've all seen it in porn. You end up with a big fat dick and the same size penis head. It, it looks like a pinhead on a penis. It's ridiculous. It's it not like the those, length. Though, Matt, so much is the girth. That's what the ladies want. It's all about I know, the girth. But, the, it, but it's like, do you, you want like a turtleneck sweater with like a pencil <laughs> sticking out the top? No. It's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> Listen, you're, you're not spending all day looking at your penis. It just comes <laughs> out when called for. That's all day for me. So <laughs> looks like a fat mole 99% of the time. It's all right. Ah. Uh. Well, that, there you go, Chuck. That's our first ever uh, penis corner here in Avery the Jeff. Did we spend 20 minutes talking about penises yet? I think we have. Excellent. Excellent.
Uh, but before we get to the interview, I have one more corner. Wait, you've, you've used up your two corners. Well, there's still two other corners. Oh, yeah. We have a whole room. Unless we're in like an octagon or something. There's corners all over the place. But no, today we're in a triangle because this is our third and final corner. <laughs> and it's, it's another episode of Best and Supermological Corner. Excellent. My favorite. My favorite. This is where I can just sort of sit back, relax, and zone out for another 10 or 15 minutes and not contribute anything to the podcast. No. This is where uh, you're comment using your biblical knowledge. You, you may commence. I'm zoning. Chuck, are you familiar with the Canaanites? Oh, my God, yes. They were obliterated, uh, by, obliterated. The, by Joshua and his Israelites. Right, because they were commanded to by God. God told them they did it. Done. End of story, right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, he wanted to kill everyone, right? Everyone. Yeah, a bunch of other groups, too. <laughs> now, yeah, according to the Bible, according to myth, they were supposed to have been wiped out. But among archaeologists, or charlatans, um, as we say, they, they really didn't know what happened to the Canaanites. But now they think they do, possibly. Um, so what happened is that they were excavating a site in uh, Sidon, in Lebanon, and they found it's an archaeological, it's an ancient uh, Canaanite town, right? So they found a, a group of uh, five bodies, three women, two men, uh, roughly 3,700 years old. That is quite possibly the smallest town I've ever heard of. Five people. Hey, I was just camping in Stanley, Idaho on the sign that officially says they have seven full time residents. <laughs> <laughs> During the eclipse, which is coming up, uh, later this month, or perhaps last month, depending on when this podcast comes out, or six months ago, uh-huh, yeah. um, <laughs> they're going to get like twenty five thousand people in that valley. Holy shit! How can That's Stanley, good. Idaho, accommodate that many people? I don't know. The coffee shop's going to be busy. That's all I can say. How can one Canaanite village accommodate twenty five thousand hungry Israelites? No, oh, they it didn't. They wiped them all out. No. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. They they ate them all, except for these five. (laughs) Um, So their DNA was sequenced, which is magic. And the researchers compared the results with the genomes of 99 modern-day Lebanese people. What did this magic spell result in? It resulted in this, quote, over 90% of the genetic ancestry of present-day Lebanese was derived from the Canaanites. In light of the enormously complex history of this reason in the last few millennia, it was quite surprising. So what they say is the Lebanese are just modern-day Canaanites. Oh, my God. So we're yeah. fighting the same battles over. So Battlestar Galactica was right. Yeah, it's all happened before. And it'll all happen again. Yes. Well, yet another confirmation of the Bible. Uh, as we <laughs> learned from what is truth, the Bible was uh, 95% accurate, I think. Uh. You know what's funny is that um, they've already there's already been a response to this from certain religious groups. Mm. It's possible that the book of Joshua refers to the extermination of one specific group of Canaanites. Oh, I see. And not all Canaanites. Oh. Yeah. That's all they need, Matt. As long as there's a slim, possibly infinitesimal <laughs> chance their book can be true. That's all they need. That's all Done. they need. It's a hundred percent true. Uh, it's so easy to just keep like pushing those corners out like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't mean 
all Canaanites. That would be ridiculous. But it yeah. says like here, right? No, no, no. That's why it's that's why it's futile to keep arguing with these people. <laughs> uh that's yeah, so what is even the point of this whole article? It's, it's all bullshit anyway. Who cares? Yeah. Bullshit. It does nothing for me. Exactly. Complete and utter bullshit. The Canaanites were mythological anyway. So were the Israelites. Yeah. And they had horns right out of the middle of their foreheads. Yeah. Can't prove they didn't. Can't prove they didn't. Maybe you could. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, that's all That's all the corners I got, Chet. I'm exhausted. I've exhausted my corners. That's it? Just three corners? You should have three. had two corners in that anthropological corner. We would have had an entire room. Yeah. Instead, we have a Scientology center. Instead, we have the triangle of the Illuminati with a little eyeball in the center. Oh, that's what it is, yeah. The worldwide oh. global conspiracy. That's way cooler. The deep shadow government trying to overthrow Trump. Yeah, what have you got? So, uh, today on Irreligiosity, we have Jeff Blackwell, who is an attorney from... Uh, a staff attorney, is that right, from American Atheists? Uh, staff attorney at American Atheists, yeah. Staff attorney at American Atheists. And Matt, I'm a member of American Atheists. I send the money every month. Uh, I'm sure you're a member of American Atheists. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure I am too. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Well, thank you both for helping to pay my salary. So. <laughs> Hold on. I got I to gotta do something really quick. Let me just... That's AmericanAtheist.com, Matt. Just go to there and support link. Actually, uh, I think it's just Atheists.com. Holy shit, really? Aha! Uh-huh. You guys have atheist.com? Yeah, plural. Atheists.com. There you go. Oh, you didn't have to pay some guy on the internet to get that. I have no idea. There may have been some payment years ago for that domain. Aha! Uh-huh. It's atheists.org. Oh. There you go. Oh, and man. see, I got it wrong. I think I said .com. Atheist.org. Serves me right. And uh, donate. Do none of you know this website? Come on. Get it together. <laughs> we'll cut this part out, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll edit this right out. <laughs> no, we don't We don't edit anymore. It's a new thing. We're an edit-free podcast. I wish I could get so, away with that on mine. <laughs> so, Matt, I, I believe uh, Jeff Blackwell Esquire, attorney at large, is the first actual guest we've had who's actually listened to the show before. Oh, that's actually right. listened to the show before. <laughs> Not only that's- listened, but like a long-term listener. Like, uh, Dave Silverman claimed he listened to Religion, but I'm not quite sure he did. That's still just the jury's crazy. out on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> no one else had even heard of us before. Uh, but you've been listening, not only listening, but you've been listening a long time. Yeah, um, I started listening back before I started law school, and then and then uh, you guys went on what looked like a permanent hiatus during law school, yes. and I was really bummed. I didn't know what it was going to do. Wait, you listened yes. before law school, then you went to law school, and now you're a lawyer and uh, an atheist lawyer. So Matt, now I'm an atheist lawyer him. on the podcast I listen to. It's <laughs> like come full circle. My God. We inspired him not only to become an atheist, but to go into law and advance atheist causes. That's a true success story. Somebody's got to do it, because I'm not doing shit. (laughs) I mean, you say that jokingly, but you guys get a little bit of the credit, I think. A little bit. 
That can't possibly be true. Matt doesn't get any credit because he wasn't even no, on the Matt, show. I'm sorry. Matt time. gets none of the credit. <laughs> hey. So. <laughs> let's, let's not forget this podcast wouldn't even be around anymore if it wasn't for me. That's I mean, such, such like as it is. <laughs> That's true. We've released like two podcasts this whole fucking year uh, entirely due to Matt's efforts. Yeah. What happened with uh, God's Not Dead 2? Wasn't that going to be an episode? <sighs> Shit. We recorded uh-huh. half of it. Did we, we do? recorded <laughs> No, Absolutely. we're still stuck on. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's God's Not Dead yeah. too. The one with uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sabrina, the teenage witch, and yeah, it's in the man. vault. Actually, recorded but not edited. Mm. Well, I have... think it's funny because our bit at the beginning of that Matt, yeah, was uh, that we were so distraught that Trump got elected. That's how current it is. <laughs> oh wow! It was like I mean oh my that God. still applies. Yeah, yeah, it still it, does apply. You still put it out; it'll just make perfect sense. Just... <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, what's your background? Uh, were you always an, were you raised a uh, godless atheist? I, I actually gave some thought to what I would say for my deconversion story because I don't really have one. Um, uh, I have. I know that when I was very small, I professed to believe in a god. My my parents have like a little book of. Um, things I, things I would say, or, and there was like a prayer book, um, where I would write down my prayers every night, but I have no conscious memory of actually believing in a God. So I don't really have a deconversion story. Not raised in a religious household or? No, my, so I was raised in a religious household. Um, my, uh, my mom's side of the family is very Catholic and my dad's side of the family is middling Protestant. Uh, but no, until I was uh, in my mid-teens, we went to church every Sunday, or there, or almost every Sunday. Oh, what'd you do? Just sit there and be like, "This is boring." Pretty much. <laughs> or is this over? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a weekly occurrence. I have a few friends like that, where it's just yeah, you were just yeah, it's just you were just looking around. Just the like, thing they had to go. I do. don't believe any of this shit. <laughs> yeah, this is ridiculous. Wow, Sunday no deconversion. That's impressive. Some people grow up that way. They're lucky. They just doesn't click. They just sit there or or they can ignore it. Um, we had Kara Santa Marina shows. Kind of the same yeah. way. She was raised Mormon, but didn't really gel. I think that's probably more and more common. Um, I think the the young kids are becoming less and less and less religious. It's just bullshit. I mean, I remember sitting in church just thinking it was boring. I mean, I, I believe, but it was, I'm like, God, this is terrible. I'd much rather be doing That's how they got me with youth group, because youth group was kind of fun. But sitting in church, uh, boring, a little disturbing, too. I don't know how your church was, but really? we were in one of those churches where people, like, raise their hands and sway during the oh. service. And <laughs> no, ours, uh, I, we moved around a lot, but uh, ours was uh, just Catholic, regular Catholic churches. Ah, uh, just Catholic. Very formal. Actually, when I... I I should give a little bit of background. I lived in Salt Lake City for a few years in elementary school um, and uh, barely even remember that Catholic, uh, that Catholic church. Oh. It was down the street. I remember the outside more than I remember the inside. My God, how, you're a Gentile. How old are you, by the way? Or just- I am uh, 34, oh, okay. going out 35 in a few months. So 90s then, 90s in Salt Lake in the church, I guess? Yeah, this would have been um, or late eighties, ninety two, ninety three. If I if my math is right, hmm. An escaped uh, conversion to Mormonism. I'm impressed. They didn't get. I did. It was closet. only later that I realized why I had no friends. 
So. <laughs> How come nobody likes me? Uh, oh, I'm Catholic. But you, you were Catholic, so you got molested a couple times. Um, uh, um, unless I have blocked it out, uh, no. I, I literally have the <laughs> most boring atheist history story of anyone. Sure, we can take care of that. Let's implant a few <laughs> memories, Chuck. The false memories of priestly yeah. abuse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, well, I wanted to bring you on the show mostly to talk about this uh, Supreme Court case, Trinity Lutheran versus Missouri, is that what it is? Uh, but I wanted to start because breaking news now, who knows when this podcast is going to be released, Matt, because editing is a... Uh, <laughs> Uh, shall we say difficult it endeavor? It's a slog. News, everybody. It takes about twice as long to edit as it does to record. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard making Matt look good. It's, it's uh, really uh, tough. Hey! It's not hard. Having so, seen how the sausage is made, I can totally see that. <laughs> That's right. You have a podcast, too. Do you, are you still doing that? Or are you um, a full-time devoting all of your time to American atheist and atheist causes? So I devote most of my time to atheism, uh, American atheists and atheist causes, and then you know my personal life. I am, um, I do have a podcast called All Too Common Law. Uh, it was on a hiatus for about six months. Um, more of me following in the irreligiosity mold. Um, I like how you call actually, a six month absence a hiatus. That's more. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's more like the normal time between episodes for us. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but actually, uh, finally, yesterday, put out a new episode, um, basically laying out um, in in a fair amount of detail the um, the actual procedure of how you impeach and convict a president and remove him from office. Gotta, it's I a gotta, pain, isn't it? I got to listen to hmm? this. Yeah, it's a pain. It's not. It's not an easy process. Oh, it, it is not easy, and we shouldn't, you know, there's a, a lot of people who are like, why isn't it happening already? And we shouldn't expect it to happen until probably 2019 at the earliest. So. Right. Yeah, Watergate took it, uh, two years, right? Something like that. That yeah. was just the investigation. He ended up resigning, so. Yeah, so I wouldn't. He was not impeached. I wouldn't yeah. expect Trump to be impeached. Well, it'd be very difficult to impeach him with the House and Senate controlled by Republicans. Although they did take the interesting step. Of preventing recess appointments. Has that ever been done in the history of the United States where there was a Republican president and a Republican Congress took steps to uh, prevent him from appointing anyone during the recess? <laughs> I am not aware of any, uh, but I'd have, to, I'd have to look into that. I'm not sure. I, I am amazed that uh, the Republican Congress did not want Donald Trump, a Republican, to... Uh, do any recess appointments? Absolutely but God, nice. like he's a, he's attacking them now. He's he's putting all the blame <laughs> on healthcare for them. Yeah. It's his it's his thing. That's what he does. He doesn't make mistakes. Just blames everybody. They're gonna get sick of him. They I could see him going for impeachment just to get Pence in there because I could see Pence just being their dream their dream uh, boy. They would much rather deal with Pence. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, that's, I think the breaking point will be when does the embarrassment over Trump outweigh? the um, embarrassment of ousting your own president in order to get Pence. Right. Pence yeah. is a big prize. Yeah, oh, I, think his, uh, I think his approval numbers will have to drop amongst Republicans before that happens. They still, he still has like over 80% approval by Republicans, I think. By That's true. 
Is it really? It's yeah, but, but an important number that people yeah. gloss over is that the number of Republicans is dropping. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's why they keep gerrymandering everything. That's their response yeah. to that. Voter suppression and which gerrymandering. Will, which will be another big case next year. So Oh God. Controlled again by a conservative Supreme Court. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. did want to ask briefly, because uh, this is breaking news, Robert Mueller just yesterday took steps to convene a grand jury. Is that right? What What does that mean in terms of – does that mean he's really confident he's going to get a conviction? Is it a procedural step so that he can get subpoenas for bank records? What, what does this mean, this grand jury? Well, it is, it is precisely a procedural step. Um, there were – so we should the uh, the grand jury was actually impaneled several weeks ago, and um, news about it has just broken because grand jury investigations are confidential. Oh, so um, it's, a, it's a did they already indict? Do we know if I don't even know if that's the right no. term, Matt? I'm not an attorney. Um, I just want to say my whole fucking family are attorneys. Every almost every <laughs> goddamn one of them. I am How did you not become a lawyer? How did you escape family. that? I don't know. Chuck I, I can't believe I didn't know that. The Mormon Church and becoming a lawyer at the simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jeff, I, my father, uh, three brothers, and one sister are attorneys. So the three of us who are not, one of them is a paralegal, and uh, I'm I'm a physician, and my youngest brother uh, is a contractor. So the uh, okay. outside of those three, well, actually, so paralegal and attorneys, pretty much the entire family. Wow, I had no idea. I gotta say, his, his brother, the contractor, does good work. Did my kitchen yes, in my bathroom? He does. Uh, Regardless of his personal beliefs, did an awesome job. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I don't know what. Well, I don't know what his personal beliefs are. Uh, I don't know either. So, um, uh, so yeah, tell me a little bit about this grand jury thing. There were already a few grand juries. Um, I'm sorry, not a few grand juries. There was already a grand jury. Um, here in the Northern District of Virginia, um, investigating a number of things involving the election um, that had issued subpoenas, um, but that was set up uh, by the District Attorney's Office uh, for the District of Northern Virginia. That investigation got folded into uh, Mueller's investigation, and so they impaneled a new grand jury. The only reason we know that a grand jury has been impaneled is because they have issued subpoenas for um, various materials that I don't know off the top of my head um, uh, because I, the subpoenas are, are public and, and someone who is, who receives a subpoena can talk about it freely. Um, so I've read, how, that do I, how do I get on this grand jury? <laughs> um, I don't know, but I wish I knew somebody who was on it. Uh, it's just like regular jury duty. They just call people. It's not anything, not any other special kind of selection. I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I am sure there are um, rules uh, specific to the jurisdiction that govern how they impanel their grand juries. But um, in general, it's the same way that you get called for jury duty on anything else. Yeah, I'd Except love that, to be there for that. Like, like, what do you think of Trump? Guilty. It's like, <laughs> can I can I be on the grand jury? Please. Um. So. I am staff attorney for a nonprofit organization, and I have to be very careful about political matters. Uh, I think it seems that there is um, sufficient evidence to get an indictment of 
a number of members of the administration's staff, whether impeachment, because it is basically a political and not a criminal um, proceeding, um, you can impeach somebody for whoever the for for whatever the majority, you know, two thirds majority of the Senate thinks is an impeachable offense. So theoretically, yes, practically, I I think there are legitimate grounds to remove him from office. I'm not going to make any predictions as to whether that's actually going to happen. So since it's, it's you were interesting for- though, because uh, Trump wants to get rid of that that the Johnson Amendment, right? So. Uh, if you were a religious nonprofit, uh, they would not prosecute you for really even flat out endorsing a candidate. But if you're a non-religious nonprofit, you're still screwed. Um, yeah, the IRS very selectively enforces the what's called the Johnson Amendment that prohibits 501c3 organizations from um, engaging in campaigning uh, for specific candidates. Or against specific candidates, um, I'm sure. I, I'm sure you guys have covered in the past Pulpit Freedom Sunday, um, and I shouldn't get too much in the weeds on the Johnson Amendment because that's not my purview in uh, in the organization. I do the litigation side. We have um, constant lobbying efforts to prevent Congress from repealing the Johnson Amendment because, while it's true, the IRS um, basically doesn't enforce the Johnson Amendment when it comes to a pastor speaking from the pulpit. Um, it's been a problem for a while. The big issue, though, is without the Johnson Amendment, a church could essentially collect money from wherever. Putin could donate money to a church in Texas. The church would not have to disclose where the money came from, and they could turn around and hand it to a candidate of their choosing without having to do- without having to uh, reveal anything because there's virtually no oversight of churches when it comes to taxes and money. There's no transparency actually, whatsoever. Yeah. There was a um, cover story on, I think the immediately previous edition of American atheist magazine that, that dealt with the Johnson amendment and how repealing it would basically turn them into Uber packs. Um, right. Yeah. It's uh, it would be scary. And nuts. Anyway, all right. So I, I read an article that that perhaps they're following a money trail. Um, so you know Trump is perhaps not guilty of colluding with Russia. Um, more of being uh, what do they call him in the congressional testimony? A, a useful idiot uh, for Russia, but didn't <laughs> actively collude. But you know he has um, financial dealings with Russia in. Uh, Apparently, sometime in the past, his, his casino has been investigating for money laundering uh, for members of the Russian mafia, I think, which apparently a bunch of casinos uh, in New York or Vegas got in trouble for. So it'll be interesting if, um, kind of like uh, the Whitewater scandal, right? The Whitewater was why Ken Starr was empowered in the first place, but they ended up impeaching him over uh, semen stains on the dress. It's kind of a long way from the initial money transaction. I see they wonder if they'll get that Trump on uh, money laundering, right? That they never would have investigated had he not gone into politics. It's, it's quite possible if the, I mean, it's been fairly clear to me for a while that the people who came into the administration had absolutely no idea what kind of scrutiny they were going to be um, subjecting themselves to. 
and and watching all of this play out and the panic and and everybody you know everybody's hiring attorneys now and um <laughs> i don't know who they're going to get to replace um scaramouche um because <laughs> scaramouche who would take that job uh knowing what you're going to be subjecting yourself to yeah 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 uh, Scaramouche well, there's, there's Huckabee there's Melissa Huckabee He's, I mean she keeps filling in why don't just just do it he spent what 10 days on the job and uh, got fired and uh, his wife divorced him yeah um, he he actually wasn't supposed to start the job until August 15th if I remember right. so he was fired before <laughs> he began the job That's right. and he was he was slated to have the position long enough to miss the birth of his child and get served with divorce papers and make a complete joke of himself uh, on, on all well, it, national media. His big mistake was he never tried to suck his own cock. Yeah. You gotta suck your own cock. Yeah. The Trump administration. I think you know, that's the one lesson I've learned. I don't know why we haven't all tried it. <laughs> Who's, who says we haven't tried it? I mean, yeah. I mean I've been nothing, but speak for yourself. <laughs> We've all tried it. I mean, granted. I guess. I guess the uh, there are evolutionary pressures that would uh, <laughs> deter. <laughs> if we could do that, we would stop procreating. Selective yeah. pressures to keep the length of the penis <laughs> short, just out of reach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's move on to the the actual case: uh, Trinity Lutheran versus the state of Missouri, uh, and. Uh, since Matt has done so much research, uh, I'm going to yes. uh, turn it over to him to summarize the case. So, what was it called again? No. <laughs> uh, it was Actually, Trinity uh, Church of Columbia, Inc. versus Comer, Director, Missouri Department of Natural Resources. In your face, Morrison! God damn it. You're a, f- <laughs> you're a fast uh, Googler, Matt Wakefield. Can I... Uh, I had already uh, Googled it. <laughs> I have a, a little personal anecdote. Um, I used to, I grew up in Columbia, Missouri, um, and I know this church. Uh, in 2006, I was um, uh, like a tech support guy for the county clerk uh, for the election in 2006. So I've been in this church. Um, so it's weird that it has taken sort of the national stage with this case. Now, when you were, when you were working in this church, did it have a pea gravel playground? Um, I didn't pay a lot of attention to the playground. It was so my job was for one day to go to polling places and respond to technical issues they were having with the electronic voting machines. Gotcha. Um, of course, it's in a church. All right. Well, of it's not it made up at least because Trinity Lutheran Church kind of sounded generic. Well, they all do. Yeah. <laughs> like Liberty Bible College. <laughs> They're everywhere. Matt, are, you, talk- are you trying uh, to I avoid just- summarizing the case? You want me to summarize it? I'll summarize it. All right. Trinity Lutheran Church had a playground. Upon this playground, they wished to cover it with recycled tires. Because if you want your kid to fall down, what better place than an old tire? Am I right? I'm right. (laughs) Therein lies the problem. Missouri had a program in which they would resurface playgrounds with bits of recycled tire. But Trinity Lutheran Church is, as we've said, it's a church. So they were denied... By Missouri's specific law, which I can't remember at this time what it is, but you guys, some of you, half of you people are lawyers, so you could probably bring it up. <laughs> Chuck is almost a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, it would create an uh, odious 
I think believe that was a word they used. I'm not sure why they were that, but <laughs> situation. Hey, I'm not lying, Chuck. Who do you is? <laughs> Scalia died. There's no uh, uh, crazy terms in here anymore. This was written by Roberts. Yeah. I don't think applesauce came up once. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Pure applesauce. This whole case. <laughs> it's hibbity jibbity. Believe that's a Scaliaism. Absolutely. It's probably in that in that lexicon somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, the Missouri said, "Fuck you! You can't have old tires on your playground because you're a church." And the church said, "Like, no, we want old tires." So they sued, went to spring course, and they won. End of story. We all went home happy. I'm going to correct you on one thing, and it's that the state was going to reimburse them for the oh. part part of the cost of resurfacing, um, and that they wouldn't they wouldn't provide the tires the tire pieces themselves. Well, what's the, that's not much of a difference, is it? Probably it's at least discrimination, idea. Matt. It it will become important. Oh, okay. With, withholding rubber tires prevents their free exercise of religion. Well, it's clearly discrimination. If you can't give a bunch of old rubber tires to a church, who can withholding rubber tires that were paid for with taxpayer expense? Now, explicitly in the Missouri state constitution, uh, they they prohibit. That was the part I was getting to. That's turning, where it became odious. They prohibit turning over uh, public funds to any church, right? That's why they said, "Well, you guys." Anyone can apply for this except for churches. And so the church applied for it probably specifically to uh, get this judgment from the Supreme Court because it's discrimination. Although the church says that a number of other religious organizations and churches had received the benefits. So oh, that was, so it was just discriminating against Trinity Lutheran Church. I guess. I'm, I'm honestly not sure where that fact from them came from. Um, but that is what they say. I mean, and yeah, Missouri has what's called a Blaine Amendment um, in its constitution that says no money shall ever be taken from the public treasury uh, in aid of any church, sect, or denomination of religion directly or indirectly. That sounds well, good. Uh, go states' that. rights. Aren't conservatives all about states' rights? The states' rights to determine their own destiny? Well, they are unless they disagree with the state. Right. <laughs> Should be seen as they a are until they're not <laughs> severe defeat for states' rights to determine. Um, I found a couple things interesting about this, right? So I find it really amazing that we're interfering with the free exercise of religion, right, by denying public funds for resurfacing playgrounds. And then over and over again, they cited the free exercise clause of the First mm-hmm. Amendment, right? So somehow, some and nowhere, I read the whole thing, nowhere in the court's decision does it lay out exactly how withholding recycled tires to resurface their playground interferes with people praying or worshiping or reading their Bible or doing whatever it is the fuck that Trinity Lutheran does. Um, but it just, they kind of conflate discrimination, right? So they're like, well... You're discriminating against church because all these other organizations can do it, but the fact that they're a church and only the fact that they're a church, uh, so, so they have a choice. They can stop being a church or they can apply to this grant, but they can't be both, so clearly that's discrimination. And somehow that discrimination prevents them uh, from the free exercise of their religion. They never never say how this discrimination prevents a free exercise. They yeah, just they, they outlined in the uh, majority opinion that the free exercise clause does not prohibit withholding an affirmative benefit on account of religion. 
don't know right. what that means, but um, <laughs> what's an affirmative it, benefit? It, well, they're saying that, you know, it doesn't have to, they, they cited a previous court case that said, look, we, uh, we, we're not punishing these guys, but we're just withholding a benefit. And I guess a previous uh, Supreme Court decision says withholding a benefit uh, equates to the same thing. It's still discrimination and blah, blah, blah. But again, I never, I never see, maybe you can uh, educate me on this, Jeff, how even if I agree with them on discrimination, and that's, I think, an open question, but how discriminating against them specifically by saying you can't have my rubber tires prevents them from the free exercise. I mean, the free exercise clause initially was to protect people's right to exercise their religion as they saw fit without uh, being hampered by the government. So yeah. if if you discriminate the, against them by saying, you know what, I don't like you guys, you're a church, so I'm not going to allow you to participate in this uh, rubber tire recycling program, I don't see how that prevents them from any exercise of their religion. Yeah, the court basically, the, the majority opinion in the court said um, that essentially you're forcing the church to choose between its religious character as a church and getting this government benefit. Um, and that we cannot allow um, people to have to make that choice. But at the same time, and what the court never addresses, is that um, we are constantly offering benefits only to churches. Um, so you're also forcing people to choose between their secular character on the one hand or receiving a government benefit as a religious organization. Yeah. Uh, referring to our earlier conversation about, you know, the um, IRS's not enforcing of the Johnson Amendment. Um, churches do not have to file the same IRS tax forms as secular nonprofit organizations. Right. Um, so we draw this line all the time um, in favor of religious organizations. But when it's, we're going to have to exclude religious organizations because otherwise enforcing it would require us to supervise religious organizations. Uh, this case bothers me on a number of levels, but one of the biggest issues is it's fairly well settled that the government cannot give funds directly to um, religious activity. The government cannot pay a minister to be a minister. So in order to make sure that that isn't happening, that this money for the playground is not being used for religious purposes, in order to make sure that this religious daycare is not using the playground in order to further the religious um, upbringing of the children um, would require the government to oversee the church's use of its own playground, which is exactly what Missouri and states with these types of amendments want to avoid. We're not going to give money to the churches because we would have to like involve ourselves in their day-to-day -day business to make sure that the money is being spent uh, constitutionally. And in order to avoid that, we're just not going to, we're, we're just not even going to go there. Um, right, and otherwise, how it appears that why would a, a state like Missouri, which is um, a fairly religious state, uh, have mm -hmm. these things at all? They don't want the government interfering or putting any strings on religion in general, right? That's the whole purpose of these things. Um, right, and and uh, I think Sotomayor mentioned in her uh, dissent exactly that that you cannot make certain that they're not using that playground to proselytize right i mean right. 
and if they do use it to proselytize, then they shouldn't be allowed to have that money because you are you've got two parts of that First Amendment that that religion part of that First Amendment. Uh, you have the establishment clause, and you've got the free exercise clause. And again, the uh, majority ruling is really confused in this because uh, it'll say stuff like the the only nod to the establishment. They're co- almost completely silent in the entire finding about the establishment clause. They say nothing about it. the only nod to the establishment clause. That you know why is why is giving money to this church? Why does that not represent a government? advancing the uh, purposes of religion or establishing a, a religion, right? You're giving state funds to a religion. That seems like it's establishing a religion. The only slight mention to it I could find was when they talked about a previous case that was decided by the court. Um, there was a Washington State scholarship program that restricted students from pursuing a theology degree, right? So yeah. you, you yeah. could... You could have uh, you you could take the money from the state, but you couldn't take it and pursue a theology degree. And it upheld that ca- that court case. They said, yes, you can tie those strings. You could say, look, I'm going to pay for it, say a uh, history degree, but I'm not going to pay for a theology degree. Um, so they said the court in Locke also stated that Washington's restriction on the use of its funds was in keeping with the state's anti-establishment interest in not using taxpayer funds to pay for the training of clergy. Uh, and, quote, essentially religious endeavor. Here, nothing of the sort can be said about a program to use recycled tires to resurface playgrounds. So I highlighted that exact passage. Yeah, that sentence in there uh, is kind of a nod to saying, look, we're not establishing a church because there's nothing religious about resurfacing the playground. But that undercuts their argument that this is such an essentially religious endeavor that if you don't do it, it prevents their... Uh, free exercise of religion. Both of those arguments work uh, against each other, and they're trying to make both arguments at the same time. And it's an example of of this like fiction that the courts the, the courts live in this fictional world where churches are never going to use you know a playground. A playground is an entirely secular thing. There's no religious aspect to it, except that in the real world, we know that you know they are going to use it for religious instruction. And, you know, further indoctrinating these kids into their, you know, whatever ridiculous beliefs they happen to to follow. Um, I'm not up on Lutheran doctrine, but. It's basically uh, Jews are terrible people and they all need to die and uh, maybe some Christ in there, too. Is that what he is that what he nailed to that door? Pretty horrible anti-Semite. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's in the 99 Theses somewhere. Um, Zinna's book about how terrible Jews are. It's uh, pretty awful. So, yeah, they're probably, you know, preaching against Jews on that playground. But my, my point is, it's either secular in nature, the playground is either secular in nature, and then it has nothing to do with the free exercise. You can't, if it's completely secular and essentially non-religious, then you can't claim discrimination under free exercise uh, conditions. So which is it? The court frames it as you have to choose between being religious or getting this money for your uh, for your playground, but really the choice is resurface your playground and and get state funds. Resurface your program and your playground and don't get state funds, or don't resurface your playground. Those are the like yeah. none of that has anything to do with the free exercise of their religion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your third option is to go to the people who use the playground and say, "Hey, let's have some donations to resurface our playground." No one's stopping them from doing that. You know that actually. That actually raises a point that I've kind of uh, 
has recurred to me, and then I forget about it over the years, that this, the same people who would argue in favor of the church here would also, I am positive, argue in favor of the free market everywhere else. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, but heaven forbid <laughs> that churches have to function in the free market and not get state funds. Right, right, exactly. You're, it's amazing to me that this conservative court bends over backwards in, in really just two cases. They bend over backward for religious organizations and, and churches anytime the Christian religion comes up. They bend over backwards for corporations. For all other cases, uh, the law is really narrowly construed and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But churches have the best of all. I mean, it is especially um, appalling to me that as an organization that does not pay taxes, and actually everyone else in Missouri's taxes are higher because these guys don't pay taxes. So they already get that built-in benefit of not paying taxes. So they don't pay any taxes into the system, but somehow you're discriminating against them by not giving them money that they never paid into the system in the first place. And, you know, I, I keep going back and forth whether because there are other nonprofit organizations that don't pay taxes too. Mm-hmm. But these guys don't pay taxes and then claim discrimination because that, that playground, is it open to the public? Can the yeah. uh, Missouri uh, guy who lives down the street and pays taxes to resurface that playground, can he bring his kids there? If it's open to the public, then yeah, maybe. Maybe I could see a case for having the public kind of pitch in and resurface the playground. But if it's just for Trinity Lutheran Church, regardless of whether they use it for religious reasons or not, it's really appalling to me that they're claiming discrimination. And they, they want their playground resurfaced. Uh, at taxpayer expense. Um, yeah, according to the the decision, um, it it is open to the public, and and I, you know, my memory of the the grounds is that it's not fenced in any way. Um, so children from the neighborhood can just go play there. But Sotomayor points out in her dissent that the church says, um, and I'm quoting from her. From her descent through the learning center, the church teaches a Christian worldview to children of members of the church as well as children of non-member residents of the area. So it seems to me pretty obvious that they (laughs) are absolutely using that playground to proselytize to anybody who comes there. Yes. So if it's open to the public, then it's basically a loss leader for the church to to snare people, (laughs) unsuspecting people. Here, come play (laughs) in my playground and we'll just... uh, make a, a religious pitch to you. So, uh, I wonder if American, do you, do you guys at American atheists have a playground? Do, do you need um, it to be resurfaced? Because I wonder if no, that have, court case would have turned out differently. I imagine it might have given just the, the makeup of the court. We have a library. We do not have a playground. Don't you need but yeah, reading rubber tires in that library? Do you want to replace the uh, flooring of that library with some recycled rubber tires? Yeah, yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we petition Missouri to resurface our library in New Jersey? Yes, um. <laughs> yes, and then take that but, all the way up to the Supreme Court because it's interfering with the free exercise of your non-religion if you don't have those rubber fucking tires on your floor. Yeah, in all in all seriousness, if this case would come out differently if it's a mosque this case comes out differently if it's an american atheist facility the short-sightedness and narrow-mindedness of this decision is really mind-boggling to me 
and I'm not sure there's much more about about it I can say on that point. It's, um, it's a really it's, shitty decision. And you know it's a shitty decision because they say, look, this is a narrow ruling. Anytime you have a, a shitty decision, you want to uh, say that it's a narrow ruling because it, it's an admission of how shitty it is. But it's only shitty in a small amount of cases, right? Like, look, right. I, know, I know my ruling here uh, sucks donkey balls. I, I admit that. But it only sucks a few donkey balls, right? Not not a whole lot of donkey balls. So the minimum mm-hmm. amount of donkey balls yeah. to be sucked. So that that that's you know somehow <laughs> a good thing. <clears throat> and they love pointing out how narrow it is. Um, although there's a little controversy over the like footnote three. Yeah, I'll read this to you. This case involves express discrimination based on religious identity with respect to playground resurfacing. We do not address religious uses of funding or other forms of discrimination. So that's Robert's attempt to expressly make this a very narrow ruling, really with only with respect to playground resurfacing. But I think a few people in the court refused to join specifically on that footnote because it wasn't broad yeah. enough. It's too narrow. We want this to be a lot more broad. Is, is that... Is, am I right in that? Is that why they didn't um, join it? You're correct. Uh, Gorsuch and Thomas um, both indicate that they that they think um, footnote three construes it essentially too narrowly. The good thing, I mean, because Gorsuch and Thomas disagreed, footnote three doesn't actually, strictly speaking, uh, carry the force of law because it didn't get five votes. Uh, right. Just that specific little part of the opinion didn't get five votes. Um, it only got three. Except the way we interpret Supreme Court cases, because Ginsburg and Sotomayor dissented, it's presumed that they would agree with that proposition. So in reality, it does have enough votes in theory, but we'll have to, you know, we'll have to wait until the next case comes along to see just how forceful this attempt to narrow the decision really is. Right. And what's the likelihood of this thing becoming set up as a precedent for future cases? Um, incredibly likely. <laughs> nice. That's it's, what I love about this. <laughs> extremely likely. I mean, the um, Hobby Lobby decision was supposed to be only narrowly construed to fit uh, the needs of closely held organs. You know, bullshit. Now everyone is saying that, you know, my sincere belief, you know, should grant me this, my sincere belief should grant me that. Everyone's kind of couching their uh, claims now in terms of sincerely held beliefs. So it's never and as And the Hobby Lobby decision, the dissent to Hobby Lobby said that that was going to happen. Yeah. And the majority decision downplayed that. Oh, we're not going to see this parade of horribles of, you know, um, people claiming religious exemptions because of this decision. And lo and behold, that's exactly what we're seeing. Um, but we'll get to that when we discuss this uh, wedding cake case in a little bit. But yeah, ho ho ho! We don't have a crystal ball. We can't tell what's going to. Of course, you know what's going to fucking happen. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> yeah. I, before we move on, one last thing. I, what does this decision mean for public funds going to private or religious schools? Because I know that's what. DeVos wants and, and Trump wants mm-hmm. and, and the conservatives uh, and Republicans want. Does this case have any bearing on that fight? It could. 
and it will depend on um, basically what the voucher program that they end up trying to implement looks like. Um, the Supreme Court has said for a long time that governments can provide funds, vouchers to individuals for them to use for a particular purpose. And if those happen to go to religious organizations, then so be it. That's the individual's choice. That's not the state establishing something. So, you know, if we go to a nationwide voucher program where individuals are being given vouchers to pay for private schooling and they happen to spend that at religious private schools, then so be it. That might be constitutional under current law, uh, under law, bef- uh, under the law as it existed before Trinity came out. I think that it's likely that that Trinity will end up making it potentially easier for the government to just say, "Well, we'll pay directly the private schools that that individuals want to go to," and then they'll say the Supreme Court agrees with this. But only in the narrow, narrowest sense of the federal government giving money directly to religious institutions. Right. Only in that narrow sense. But this uh, – let me just say one more thing because this – I was reading Thomas's – Thomas writes a separate concurring opinion in this case that really highlights a disturbing trend going on in the court right now, which is um, – Thomas says that you can limit free exercise of religion only – in, in pursuit of state interests that are of the highest order. That's how he phrases it. So, so the court is going to scrutinize, you know, very closely anything that even that, that someone purports limits their free exercise of religion. The flip side though, is the establishment clause and what the court completely ignores in their decision is that the establishment clause isn't given nearly as much force as that. Um, they find exception after exception after exception to benefit religion while saying that it's really not benefiting religion. Right. Um, whether it's the ceremonial deism that allows you to have prayers at the beginning of legislative sessions or you know, the Ten Commandments on a courthouse lawn as long as it's with other things because then it's just an acknowledgment of our history and not an establishment of, the, of, of Christianity or Judeo-Christian uh, theology in any way. Um, and it's a really troubling trend. Uh, and and one of the things that I'm trying to do every day is figure out how we start reversing that. Um, yeah, and Trinity would, didn't help us at all. I would point out that uh, for all you originalists on the Supreme Court, Gorsuch asshole, dick face, the Establishment Clause, <laughs> orig- it came first, right? If you read the First Amendment... The Establishment Clause is actually before the Free Exercise Clause. Yep. And, and it's probably purposely that way because if you can't have real free exercise of religion if you have an established church that's, you know, getting taxpayer money, it automatically has an advantage and that automatically disadvantages all the rest of them. So the Establishment Clause should be supreme over the free exercise. But they, they, they um, the very beginning, I think, pointed out that this should trigger any sort of discrimination against religious uh, organizations or religion in general should trigger the highest scrutiny, right? Because Christian religion has been uh, persecuted in this country, a long, long history of religious persecution. Christians are just probably the most persecuted people in history, so it should (laughs) trigger 
uh, strict scrutiny because they're, you know, they're a protected class. We got to prevent further uh, discrimination against these poor Christians. And according to Jeff Sessions, specifically white Christians. Let's yeah, not forget. Right. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah, Thomas's de- dissent was really uh, pretty short, or his uh, concurring opinion was pretty short. And Gorsuch, we get, is this his first? It's the first one I've read that actually Gorsuch wrote. Um, I don't know. I think that there was another opinion that he wrote maybe a week before this one, but uh, I would have to go double check. I may yeah. have my timeline wrong. Was it equally shitty as uh, this three pages he wrote here? If I remember right, it was it was some fairly like uh, to me at least what I find to be kind of a nothing decision. Um, but I would have to go double check what that what that was because I haven't looked in months. <laughs> I will say I it makes it more entertaining, Matt. If you read uh, Justice Gorsuch's uh, concurring opinion in the oh, I've read it, Chuck. In the voice of I've Thurston Howell III from Gilligan's <laughs> Island. Um, methinks he does protest too much, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that he said, this court has long explained that government may not devise mechanisms over this guy designed to persecute or oppress a religion or its practices. I love how the Missouri Playground Resurfacing Act of using old tires was designed to repress religion and persecute those Lutherans mm-hmm. specifically. Expressive. So that they also have old tire playgrounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but it might be just a little bit hyperbolic. <laughs> <laughs> but but Gors- Gorsuch's concurrence is is actually really scary because there's one thing that he says here. The court leaves open the possibility a useful distinction might be drawn between laws that discriminate on the basis of religious status and religious use. Respectfully, I, I harbor doubts about the stability of such a line. And what he's basically saying there is he's already voted in favor of money going to organizations that have religious status. And now he says, I see no distinction between religious status and religious use. So essentially, it seems to me that Gorsuch would be entirely in favor of state money going directly to religious organizations for yes. the advancement of their religion. Yes, with and no that problem. Is, can I <laughs> – I don't know why I'm about to ask this, but can I swear? That's fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. Chilling. Fucking sorry, goddammit. Chilling. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't know, remarkably, remarkably stupid. Did you read the part – right after the part that you read, he says the distinction uh, – Blurs in much the same way the line between acts and omissions can blur when stared at too long. I was going to say that. <laughs> Leaving us to ask whether the man who drowns by awaiting the incoming tide does so by act coming upon the sea or omission allowing the sea to come upon him. He sounds like every fucking uh, pseudo-wise uh, pastor I've ever fucking heard. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. But, but your point that, that, that he sees no line there. So there should be no problem in the future if you just want to take state funds and give it directly to Trinity Lutheran for whatever the fuck they want. Uh, no problem. I'm on. I'm on board. Sign me up. Yeah. And he's young. He'll be on the court for probably thirty fucking years. Long time. Uh, yet another in a long list of reasons to say fuck you to Republicans and fuck you to those people who voted for Trump and Republicans. Yeah. I, I hasten to add, though, that um, this decision would have come out exactly the same under a Clinton presidency. 
if Merrick Garland were on the court, this case would have been the same. Really? Yeah, because they have there are seven votes here. No. So even if if it were Garland instead of Gorsuch, at worst um, it would have been six three. Yeah. Oh, that that was stunning to me that the only two people who uh, dissented were Sotomayor and, and Ginsburg. Um, I thought, you know, this decision, it seems fairly easy on the face of it, that it would have been a 5-4 decision, right? But it was 7-2. That's, I was expecting a 5-4 decision going the other way. I, I knew it was a conservative Supreme Court. I knew Roberts was going to decide that way. Gorsuch, obviously, Thomas. God. And Alito. And Alito, yeah, they're, they're a solid oh, four. God, it's, it's just so painful to me. Yeah, Kagan voted for it, and you know you can kind of see, I suppose, if if she's thinking that uh, it's just about playground resurfacing and et cetera, et cetera. But it just it sets such a fucking terrible precedent. It's too dangerous. It's one of those things where you just don't fuck around with. We've gone too far in that direction already. We need to start, as he said reeling this shit in speaking of yeah. which the the uh what about gay cakes <laughs> what about gay cakes hey hey they're just cakes like any other cake come on guys. <laughs> Matt, those cakes were baked that way they didn't have any choice <laughs> that's right i'm desperately trying to make a gay penguin joke and it's just not <laughs> gay. gay penguins cook cakes too chuck perhaps you'd like to Tell us about this case. Summarize the uh, summarize the gay wedding cake case. How, hasn't this happened before? Didn't we decide this already? I thought we I did. thought we were done with the cakes. I thought we did. Was that is this the same case that we we're hearing about just working its way up, or uh, is this a totally different case? Um, so, as far as I know, a number of lower courts. Um, uh, uh, Circuit courts beneath the Supreme Court have addressed this issue, but the Supreme Court has not taken it up before, um, specifically on this particular point. Holy shit. If I um, remember correctly. Having just read that opinion, I am shitting my pants thinking of the current Supreme Court taking this case. Yeah. Yeah. Really um, because just their, their claim is their sincerely held religious beliefs prevent them from baking a cake for a gay wedding. Purpose is free exercise the, religion. Yeah, you can't directly. Those claims need to be treated under the strictest scrutiny. We have to have a compelling yeah. um, state interest of the highest order to overturn those. Uh, otherwise, you're interfering with their free exercise of religion in their cake shop. What's the, what's the best way to attack this, Jeff? Like go um, so after? I mean, well. Are they really going to have a, a a specific belief that they can't bake cake for people they don't like? Just like show the, me the Bible. If Can we the, do that? Just like if you don't like Mexicans, you can uh, you you should be able to say I don't serve Mexicans at this bake shop. I don't make Mexican cakes. Yeah, no crazy cake for you. I don't bake cakes for Republicans. <laughs> well, this is what I mean. Uh, what I love about the Mormon church is it's always a great example. Um, can someone in the FLDS religion open a business and say, I'm not going to serve African-American people? Right. Right. Um, exactly. Because if, when you put it in those terms, immediately everyone's like, oh, no, that's absurd. But if it's, you know, oh, they have to, you know, cater a gay wedding 
that's actually not the facts of this case. They just were asked to bake a cake and they just outright said no. But yeah, like, you're gay. I don't want to make you a cake. <laughs> I think there are a number of arguments that have to be made here. One is that the state has an incredibly compelling interest in preventing discrimination against its citizens. And that changes the calculus a little bit. What I fear is that the court will apply the same reasoning that they did in Hobby Lobby, where they said, well, the the state's interest in making sure that women are healthy is not compelling enough to justify the burden on the free exercise of a private for-profit corporation's Uh. religious beliefs, whatever that even means. There, there is no rationale to me that prevents the court from extending that reasoning to, uh, to yeah, discrimination in, um, you know, just a place of business on the basis of sexual orientation, gender, race. Um, this, this is the weird path that we're walking down, and but hopefully the judges see reason. I don't know. If you're going to offer a public service, isn't legally? I mean, you can't force anybody to just bake a cake. But if you're going to offer a service of baking cakes, I, I don't see how legally they could they could decide to only bake cakes for. Well, Matt, what they, they could do is they could hang a sign outside that says "Reserve the right to refuse service to anyone," and by anyone I mean gay people. Yeah, I mean gay people. <laughs> well, and by anyone is- we specifically mean you. <laughs> <laughs> All joking aside, the, the, the lower court here, the court um, in the Colorado Court of Appeals says, you know, you are completely entitled to say we are required by Colorado law to serve everyone, but we fundamentally disagree with gay marriage. You know, that being said, we're obligated to serve you. And probably you saw, that solves your problem because a gay couple just isn't going to bother to deal with you because why put up with it? Right. Would would that be a better strategy than actually suing them? As because if they and I and I understand their pain, but if they sue them and it goes to Supreme Court and then we end up with another decision where they're like, Yeah, you don't have to bake a cake. Now we're like now here's another nail in the coffin, I suppose. Uh Trinity and now it's gonna be Colorado cakes and Because this is the perfect storm. This is a corporation that's also religious, just like Hobby Lobby, right? They're going to say that this corporation, this building's fundamental religious beliefs, right, that are imbued mm-hmm. in the brick and mortar of this building, uh, basically are discriminatory against gays. That there are closely held belief is that we must discriminate against gays, uh, and and uh, we can't sacrifice any profits for it, and we shouldn't be punished in any sort of way, shape, or form, and we should not be made to serve any gay people for religious reasons. So it seems like if this court's going to bend over for anyone, it's going to be this this company here, this religious yeah, organization. Yeah, and the one distinction that there is, uh, Hobby Lobby concerned a federal law, and federal law ha- includes the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which says that, you know, if if something if a federal law burdens religious practice, then it's subject to strict scrutiny. As far as I know, Colorado doesn't have a RIFRA law, which means that this case is governed by the opinion issued in the early 90s, Employment Division v. Smith, that says if a law is generally applicable and happens to you know just incidentally 
burden religious practice, then it's only you only need to have a rational basis for passing the law in order for it to be constitutional. The nightmare scenario, though, the perfect storm that you're talking about is this court could decide that Employment Division v. Smith is wrong and that we go back to the old way of doing things and the way that RIFRA enshrined in federal law and the little you know RIFRA junior laws enshrined in state laws in various states around the country, that any law that burdens relig- a, a sincerely held religious belief has to be subjected to sc- strict scrutiny. It, that's sort of the nightmare scenario is if things go that far off the rails, what gives me some consolation is that Employment Division v. Smith, um, A, was written by Scalia and that Kennedy agreed with it. So it seems to me that because Kennedy voted with the majority in Employment Division v. Smith, he would probably not vote in the opposite direction now. But it's been 25 years since Employment Division v. Smith. So that Employment Division v. Smith was about a Native American religion, right? Not about uh, yeah, I believe that the was Christian this. religion. If it were a Christian religion uh, at stake, Scalia would have voted the other way. But since it was uh, uh, this foreign religion, then you know, fuck them. It doesn't really matter. I love that a Native American religion is foreign. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't Christian. You know that the first religion here was Christianity. The the Nephites brought it over. The Jaredites. Uh, That's established right. Christianity, and then I remember uh, fell into darkness, and you know now they're Lamanites, right? And then their skin darkened, and uh, various other bad things <laughs> exactly. happened. To them. And then because their skin darkened, Scalia was comfortable enough to make a decision against them. So uh, <laughs> now that it's uh, now that it's a Christian religion at stake, I'm just afraid that that employment division B Smith is going to be overturned and thrown out the window. And holy shit. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how about this? How about we start ordering cakes from this place? Like uh, cereal, like I'll go and order. This is my fourth marriage. And this is for Planned Parenthood second anniversary in this <laughs> county or something. And what are the things? How many things can we get them to refuse to make cakes for? My, uh, my gender reassignment surgery. Happy yes, gender happy reassignment gender surgery. <laughs> I want that right on top. And then I want like a penis exploding into a vagina. Like transition. Yes. Yes. Just something tasteful like that. Just something tasteful. Right. Unobjectionable. But Matt, I mean, you raise a, a, really, uh, a really important point and something that I grapple with in my job all the time, which is um, particularly since the election – Whenever we're considering filing a lawsuit, we have to ask ourselves in the present climate, do we want yeah, is this what the happens time? if we get the bad decision? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it's now more likely. Yep. And it's it's a difficult balancing act that we have to do. And it's really troubling because back in two thousand five, the Supreme Court decided a couple of cases involving Ten Commandments monuments. And one of the factors that played into one of the monuments being allowed to stay on the grounds of the Texas state capitol was that it had been there for 40 years and hadn't been challenged. So if we decide not to bring a lawsuit because we're afraid that the eventual outcome will set a bad precedent, then 20 years from now, when the environment is different, the you know 
the Ten Commandments monument or nativity scene or whatever has been sitting there unchallenged. And then that becomes a factor in favor of keeping it. Oh, it's tradition. It's (laughs) completely fallacious reasoning. I love that argument. Yeah. It's their favorite argument. Traditionally. Oh, good Lord. I I don't have, I don't have a, a, um, a clear answer to that question, Matt. No, I don't know if I find one. I mean, I, I, I can just, right now I can just see, uh, there's, there's a resurgence. I mean, if you go by online talk of people thinking that, Oh, this is, we can take back gay marriage as in take it back away. (laughs) Cause now we could be assholes again. We've got an asshole in the white house. We got a more conservative Supreme court. You know, I think a lot of, some churches are not for it, but I, I'm talking like Trump here. Some are not for it. Some are. I think a lot of people want to take it back. But I just see a lot of that talk where like, oh, we have a chance here to reverse all these things we can't stand that have been changing. that have been socially progressive ideas that have been going forward. That's what I'm afraid of. And that's what we we talked about that last year when we used to do this podcast. Uh, Remember those days, Chuck, when we had a podcast? (laughs) Get out and vote. It's important. Ugh. I can't even speak straight because all this shit's making me crazy. Goddamn cakes and tires. Let me talk about the tires for one second. I got one problem. This is a recycled tire program to reduce uh, tires filling up landfill. It's mm-hmm. still going to landfill. Like one day, it'll go there. You know, one day they'll put in something else and it'll just go out to the landfill. It's just downcycling. It's not recycling. That's all. Just had to get that out about tires. That's so. a fair point. <laughs> Although I imagine they, you know, now these now these playground surfaces can be melted down and used for something else. I yeah, suppose. I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you do with old tires? You burn them. That's what I hear. <laughs> Big piles of them, and you just set them on fire. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a tire fire in Pennsylvania that's been yeah. burning for about forty years or something. <laughs> uh, so where do we stand here, Jeff? Legally, uh, well, in terms of taking over America, yeah, I feel yes. like. Some sort of oh reason to be optimistic about the future, please. Um, <laughs> my I, love of God. I can absolutely do that, and that's that. Uh, the demographics are changing incredibly quickly, um, and you know there is. Uh, it's it's funny that we have to uh, rely on on like scientific, um, anthropological, I guess maybe research on this. But that nearly a quarter of the country is probably atheists, but many of them are afraid to say that. Those numbers are changing constantly. I think that what we're seeing here is the sort of death throes of the religious establishment in America. And I, I use establishment there not in the legal sense, but in the you know leadership sense. The country is changing thanks to the internet. Uh, people are more aware of our history and just what's going on in the country, the bad things that religion results in. And so people are leaving it in droves. And these sorts of tactics, whether it's gerrymandering or you know, allowing churches to get grant money or whatever, will only allow them to hold out for so long. So we're in a troubling period right now, but it's not interminable i think i'm gonna erase all of that and just leave a blank spot of just pure <laughs> just like 20 seconds of uh, me coughing 
Definitely Next. put in a big pause. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, God, I hope so. I hope so. I I've been so demoralized by this past election, and I I think there's a core amount of the populace that uh, will never change. They'll never uh, see Trump or uh, McConnell or the other Republican lead, Paul Ryan, as the buffoons they are, uh, and they will continue. And I wonder if, uh, this this recent election has opened my eyes to the fact that Republicans hate liberals so much, conservatives hate liberals so much, that they're willing to hurt themselves so long as a liberal might be caught in the crossfire. The, yeah. the, the best way I've heard it put is that some of these guys would let Trump shit in their own mouth if a liberal <laughs> had to smell his breath. <laughs> And those guys yeah. are not going I've to I've not heard that before. They are not going away. And they vote like crazy. They're the people who are yeah. out there voting. And uh, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm in this sort of place of existential despair for our country. And, and I hope the demographic shifting uh, overcomes all of this horrible shit. Because I, I think you're right in that the Republicans and conservatives are panicking. They're, they're trying to do whatever they possibly can to maintain uh, a power grip despite all these shifting demographics and uh, their population is aging and they're dying and the newer population doesn't give a shit about, the millennials don't give a shit about gay marriage yeah, or transgenders <laughs> or bathrooms or anything like this. And so I hope it's just a matter of time, and I hope this is all. But you know, they've been remarkably successful. They now own the 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 uh, House, the Senate, the executive branch, and nearly three quarters of the uh, governorships. So yeah, honestly, if they wanted to make a constitutional amendment, they nearly have the power to do that. And that's frightening. Well, unfortunately, we're fighting against right now. Closeted bigots. No, no, sorry. Hardcore bigots, first of all. <laughs> Closeted bigots. Basic tribalism. And then a, a large segment of the population just doesn't care and goes in if they bother to vote and just punches their team card, you know, or doesn't even find out who the candidates are. Just like, ah, well, I guess I'm Republican still. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm hoping that, um, you know, the the energy that we've seen after the election of everyone realizing, oh, right, elections matter and people need to vote. And there is a difference between the parties that we can sustain this energy and that it will have a lasting impact. Um, you know, the, the Tea Party had an impact from 2009 until basically 2016. And that was a much smaller movement than what we're seeing now. So hopefully we can sustain this energy you know, into the foreseeable future, at least until we can get some institutional changes that that solidify the progress that we have made um, in the last eight years or the, or the last 20, 30 years. Well, you know, if, that, if that's going to continue, that's going to happen. It's going to require the hard work of organizations such as American Atheists and people like yourself and regular weekly podcasts like this one. <laughs> to continue that or my momentum own. or yours uh, all too common law so I would say um, the best thing you can do first of all is donate to this podcast and then if you have money left over you can donate to American Atheists 
What do you think, man? Yeah, or- that sounds good. Most of the money donated podcast goes Us. towards Scotch. Yeah. Us. <laughs> our, our mental health. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got to. We got. I, I want to just start a podcast just talking about fine bourbon. Um, I don't know if you guys would be interested. <laughs> oh, we'll Matt, put it on you're, Patreon. Uh, you're all over. It'll it. support our other efforts. <laughs> you're all over. Uh, but uh, if anyone does want to support American Atheists, we're having our our annual national convention later this month in Charleston, South Carolina, to coincide with the solar eclipse. Nice. Which will be nice. We have uh, scientists from NASA. Uh, Matt Dillahunty is going to be there. I'm going to give a half hour talk on a number of topics that you didn't just hear me talk about and ramble, um, ramble on for <laughs> what, like an hour, but yeah, Matt Dillahunty is going to be there. Cy babe, Dave Silverman, uh, Seth Andrews. It's, it's going to be, um, a nice event. Actually, we have, um, Athena Salmon. Do you guys, if I remember right, you guys covered the Arizona, um, state representative who gave an invocation that didn't mention God. So then yes. the, um, oh, that's right. The, the Arizona House decided we got to have another one to fix that error. Or yeah, she's going to be giving a talk immediately after mine. So I encourage everybody to to come. It's going to be a good time. And if you live in the Charleston area, there are there are discounted admission rates. We'll have a Cards Against Humanity tournament. When and, uh, when are we going to give a talk at an American Atheist Convention? I don't next year. <laughs> You guys want to give a talk next year? All of our fans get all three of them. <laughs> Sorry, I got them. Imagine the seats filled. We've got a mole in the organization now. We got our operative in get the organization. In. That's right. Uh, we have an atheist outreach panel and just invite atheist podcasters to talk about how to talk about atheism. It's you know, you I would totally go and do a talk at American Atheist Convention as long as I can go old school, bring a cocktail up onto the lectern with me. And then, I mean, the talk would just get destroyed by a slurring and rambling. And <laughs> but I yeah. think it'd still go pretty well. You don't have Christopher Hitchens' ability to uh, get better with uh, booze? No, no, but I do have Trump's ability to, like, change the topic of conversation, like, eight times in the same sentence without How finishing any of the points. Let's see. If you guys are both members, you would be able to get into the uh, convention for two hundred and twenty-nine dollars. Um, students um, and members of the military uh, can attend for fifty dollars, and residents of Charleston uh, can get in for a hundred. Nice. So it's uh, it's it's not expensive, and it's a lot of fun. When it was at Salt Lake, we put some of our fine uh, Patreon money uh, towards that. We and, did. Uh, I actually went and listened to a bunch of the lectures. I don't know if Matt ever showed up. <laughs> I no. did not because something happened. I think I you went, oh, I went of, on vacation. You went out of town. You're like, yeah. hey, there's American Atheists. Let's get tickets. And so I got tickets and uh, I was there uh, alone. All Matt, come on. Alone. Well, okay. In my defense, what year was that, Chuck? Do you remember? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. 2015. Oh, that's, the, that's right. That was the year we went to uh, Namibia. And I got to tell you, go to Namibia. If you got anything to do, just cancel it and go to Namibia. It was awesome. That is no defense. Interesting. In my defense, I have no defense. <laughs> you have no, That's why you were there. You had nothing to do. So you're a sad, sad, lonely man. That's what I was doing. I was doing. I was 
doing the sad, lonely man bit. But I got a nice <laughs> swag bag. You guys give out like little swag bags and stuff. We do. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, and we've started, I believe last year was the first time we started doing this, but we create our own Cards Against Humanity deck. Nice. With specific atheist references. We just, uh, we just finalized the version for this year's deck, and it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Worth the price of admission, I would say. Right on. When's that again? So that is August 19th through 22nd. So just in a couple Let me double weeks. check that date just to make sure that I have that right. Yeah, so the, the first events will actually be the evening of Friday the 18th and run through the 21st. All right. Well, Matt will definitely be there. Yes, I'll be there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Or Namibia. Not sure yet. Uh, I got Patagonia on my list right now. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait, it's coming up, right? It's during the eclipse. Actually, I will be in Little Rock, Arkansas. Is that where that is? So you're, not in the, in you're not in the path of the eclipse. I am I am 90, 88% in the path 88, of the eclipse. 88%. Yeah. Um, is Charleston yeah, I, I, right I, in the path of the eclipse? Are you guys going to see the stars come out during the day? Yeah, Charleston is the last point on the continental United States. Well, on the United States. <laughs> There's no... There's nothing else out in the Atlantic um, uh, where people will be able to see the uh, total uh, eclipse. Wow. So, yeah, if you plan to see the eclipse, you might as well go to Charleston and get a nice atheist convention in the same time. Yeah, I hear some NASA scientists talk about it. Matt, you fly for free. You have, no excuse. You have literally no excuse. No, I'm, I'm working. I'm literally flying that day. Uh-huh. I've heard. <laughs> I was actually heard hoping before. my flight would be in the air because I'm going from Denver to Little Rock. And I was like, that'd be cool. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. But um, looks like we land as long as everything's on time. And then it's like a half hour. So I'm going to have to hang out in little, at the airport, wait for the eclipse. I have so, a bunch of eclipse glasses too. Hand them out to everybody. Matt, I, ha- I actually have a question for you, a piloting question. If oh. you are flying during the eclipse, now you're not supposed to look at the eclipse except through like a box with a pinhole in it. So when you're flying the plane, do you have to hold a box in front of your head in order to be able to see where you're going how does it work well the autopilot will be on so i don't have to do anything so oh, oh <laughs> I'll be there. but um that makes i don't sense. know if you yeah, know yeah. this but uh matt goes into the pilot seat puts on a seatbelt, and presses the autopilot button that is his <laughs> fucking job it does everything i do nothing does it look like tesla to uh, make some planes <laughs> that'll be uh... does... Does it look like the autopilot when you push on the autopilot? Does it look like the autopilot in airplane where a little balloon? It's exactly what it looks like. It is an inflatable guy. He pops up. (laughs) Starts steering the plane. Is it manually inflated? (laughs) That's Matt's job. He blows up the autopilot balloon. No, no, no. That's what first officers are for. (laughs) That's right. You're a captain now. I I forgot. Oh, when did that happen? Uh, Like a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. You guys put podcasts out so rarely. I don't. Yeah, it was like two podcasts ago. Up. I'm not sure I said anything about it, but. Oh, okay. I'm afraid of getting fired when they find out what. I... <laughs> me too. If if that happens, let me know. I will let you know what to do. Right on. <laughs> okay. We'll give you a call. Well, Jeff, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I can't wait for the God's Not Dead 2 episode. Oh, it's yeah. done. So well, just half there. of it, half of it's done. Well, yeah, yeah, half of it's recorded, 
We couldn't make it through the whole thing. It, That's uh, the problem. Have you seen the movie? God, it's just a shit I, show. I yeah, I have seen the movie. Oh, you did see it because okay. Chuck, you and I had an exchange about me maybe yep. coming on and talking about it. So yeah. I watched the movie, and uh, yeah, you owe me a few drinks for that. I think. Yeah. You know what, Chuck? It, yeah, pain. Put this one out, and then get on the the first part. And then we'll have him back to just go over the courtroom scene and fuck the rest of the movie. Because <laughs> over the, <laughs> the courtroom scene, <laughs> which I know is half the movie, but you know, it, I, like, yeah. Just, even the thought of like watching even just the courtroom scene. <laughs> oh my god! Who was, who was that guy they put on Lee Strobel or? Yeah, and no, the, yeah. I think Lee Strobel makes an appearance. My yeah. favorite was the forensic path, the cold case guy. Yeah, let's get that guy. Can we get that guy on the show? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's get him on the show. <laughs> All right. That is it. Well, thanks a lot. We have done our yearly commitment. You got anything? Uh, yeah, I got um, I got a penis enlargement surgery gone wrong. All right, excellent. Oh, I thought you were just saying you have a penis. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh yeah, I got a penis too. <laughs> Did so, everybody bring their penis? Very <laughs> penis centric podcast. Unfortunately. Oh no! Not another ten minutes of that. <laughs> a twenty, at least. At least 20.